You're listening to Why We Do What We Do. All right, welcome to Why We Do What We Do. I will be your major leader host, Abraham. And I will be your completely individual co-host, Shane. Perfect. And we're bringing the third installment of our series of interviews with non-politicians, everyday folks, people here in the United States who have aligned themselves with a particular political party. And we're asking them, why? Why do you vote how you vote? Exactly. So we really wanted to try to have the conversation because, you know, as, as a podcast that focuses on psychology and people and understanding why people, what we do, people do what they do, I should say, you know, our goal is to really get to the nuts and bolts of it. And so sometimes that requires a conversation and a conversation with people that maybe we don't align with, or we don't agree with, or just having the conversations and listening to really get an understanding of where people are coming from and, and do just this kind of like this large scale exercise on perspective taking. Exactly. It's been a lot of fun so far, though. It's been cool. Exactly. So hopefully, if you've been listening so far, you have now heard why I am a Democrat, why I am a Republican. And if you are neither of those two things, then maybe this is the episode for you, because today we are talking about why I am a libertarian. Yeah. And, you know, I think this was really great for clarifying some of the perspectives that maybe are put out or perpetuated in the social media circles or like when people don't really dig into like what it is, we really try to kind of get that information and demonstrate, hey, it's it's a little bit more than just less government, more freedom. It's definitely a more complex approach to politics than I think people may realize. Yeah, absolutely. And so you may get the answer in this to what is a libertarian. You might also get the answer to why not a Democrat or why not a Republican. But more than anything, I think you're getting a perspective on what the values are of someone who espouses a libertarian political party. And that's exactly the point, as you said, is we wanted to be able to have a dialogue where we speak together and where we are able to both listen with an open mind and be heard. Hopefully you've been enjoying these series. If all goes to plan, we'll have one more for you. (laughs) (laughs) We're, We're still working on that one. Yeah, but this was a really great interview. I'm looking forward to sharing it. So do you have anything else before we proceed? Nope. Let's get on with it. All right. On to the interview. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, what, what name would you prefer to go by in this interview? Alex is fine. Alex. Okay, perfect. So we're talking to you today about being a libertarian. And so if you could just speak to what I think an appropriate place to begin is how you got into that as your political orientation to begin with? I kind of came by it, honestly. I I feel like I was born that way. I remember being a small child and my dad used to watch C-SPAN because he was an engineer and used to get approval through city council for certain projects. So I'd have to watch city council meetings as a small child, which sounds (laughs) awful. But I used to like wonder why the government could tell people what they could do with their property. And it used to crack my data. My mom's actually a liberal Democrat and finds it horrific that I came that way as a small child. Um, But that's kind of how (laughs) I came into it. I ended up going to a very liberal college in UC Davis. And I think that also made it a little bit worse for me. I went even more further towards the libertarian side of things after being in a place where government was very favored and things like that, because I just don't like being told what to do. So, um, 
Fair enough. <laughs> I love that. I love that. To that point, one of the things that we always hear, or maybe this is something that you just kind of hear people when they misinterpret or misrepresent libertarianism, is it's like, they don't like being told what to do. It's like, no government, but socially liberal. So I, can you help dispel a little bit of that myth of like, what does it mean to be a libertarian? Yes. So if I could clear up like one misconception, it's the idea that socially liberal is applied, like, let's take an issue a couple years back with gay marriage. They would assume that socially liberal would mean that you're okay with gay marriage. My belief is that the government should have no role in determining who can love who and and anything like that. I mean, the idea that a government could tell you who you can and cannot love is just sacrilegious. That's terrible. That's a bad way to put it, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, we follow. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, those kind of social things. I. I think it's it's less of like a belief in that that shouldn't happen and more of a belief in that the government shouldn't play a role in it. Perfect. And actually, I think if we can keep going on this, one of the things that I feel like we did not really need to do in our interviews with Democrats and Republicans is explain what it is. And I don't know how <laughs> how well-informed voters are, often are about the fact that there are other parties in the United States and the third largest one by number of voting of registered members is libertarian. Right. If you could just speak a little bit more to sort of what your orientation is to what being a libertarian is. So one of the struggles and one of the reasons why libertarians aren't as highly registered is because then you miss out on the primary, right? So most libertarians are actually registered Republicans and I am as well so that I get a chance to vote in a primary. Not that that does me any good anyway, but you know, you, you, you try. And a lot of a lot of what we come from, we're we're a self defeating party, right? So you're trying to get into the government so you can have less government. Not a lot of people, not a lot of politicians are into that. That's kind of a, a self defeating ideal. So I'm kind of one of the first. that's like, well, this is kind of a, a bad political standpoint. You know, you, you're in politics to get into politics to drive change, and yet we're a party that believes that there should be less ability to create change from the government standpoint. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. Like it, like when you say it like that, it does sound like, well, why would I run as a libertarian and get into an elected office where I'm simply trying to like work myself out of a job? Right. right. It's, it's not, <laughs> you know, and, and we tend to be very fiscally conservative, right? So one of our moral standpoints is to go out and, and do work and do lots of it and and not stop working and yet you're working yourself out of a job that's just self-defeating yeah to that point i mean does the libertarian agenda argue that there should be no government or that it should be as minimal as possible and try to be as lean as possible and and work as efficiently as as it should i i don't think they're arguing for no government but as lean as possible for sure than a much more efficient government I think efficiency seems to be one of the the highest values. You know, bureaucracy is is like an evil. You know. <laughs> so I think a, a useful distinction. You said you registered as a Republican, but you you sort of self identify as a Libertarian, correct? Yeah, I was registered as a Libertarian for a long time, and then realized I was missing out on primaries. Got it. I guess a question I would have then is is why not just be a Republican? I don't align with a lot of their values, especially in this day and age. It seems like right now the Republican Party is going more towards a, well, we say that we believe in less government and yet we're increasing debt and making more government and trying to be more in people's lives than I would like to see. 
the party too. I, I really don't identify with the socially conservative values either. Got it. It's actually incredibly upsetting. Yeah. And so what are some specific policies that are, I guess, the sort of on the libertarian platform that you feel most strongly about? I would have to say it's unpopular, but one of my biggest beliefs is pulling the government out of healthcare is a big one for me because I'm in healthcare. So I'd like to see less regulation, more opening of more capitalistic opportunities that way. I also understand that that's probably not realistic. So that's one of mine that I I really enjoy seeing somebody working towards kind of more common sense, I think, bureaucracy towards that. But other than that, their tax platforms, I'm pretty, pretty down with. I don't understand where they're running from right now. I haven't looked into the current libertarian candidate, but I know the last one was looking at a flat tax, mm-hmm. which I'm a fan of. Okay. Because then I don't get punished for making more money. My my profession is very much if I make more money for my business, then I get more money back. And I'm at a tax bracket right now where if I make any more money, I get taxed more. So it makes me reluctant to work more, if that makes sense. And I'm I think that's bad. Yeah. I mean, I know some local business owners who they are sort of always playing that dance between once you reach a new tax bracket and you have to pay more in taxes. So then what they do is they spend as much as they can on what would be a, a tax deductible expenditure for the business right. to fall into a smaller tax bracket. Or sometimes, you know, they, they are not in that position, but it sort of puts them in a weird position of like, well, we want to make more money, but unless we can cross that threshold really far, then we don't want to go into the next tax bracket. And then, so there's sort of that range of how much you make and how much you're being taxed. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting, and my perspective on it is, is bad. I'm, I'm sure if I made enough money, the tax would be not felt by me, but I guess it's the rub of the government reaching in there and, and taking more out of my pocket that rubs the wrong way. Especially it's, it's hard when you disagree with the way that the country's moving and stuff like that too. The current administration has been really difficult to, to deal with, especially seeing as it's coming from what's seen as, you know, my side of the aisle. I've heard people argue that with the libertarian perspective, that it's, I guess the, the argument is not necessarily that we know this will work. We think this should be how it is, but it's almost just more of a moral stance of like, we feel like this is the fairest way that government should be run. And so I'm kind of curious about your thoughts on that and why you think that that's the case, if so. I think that's pretty accurate, honestly. I was actually talking about that with my fiance on our walk this morning. You know, I understand that we will probably never have a libertarian president just from the idea that it is a self-defeating human. And that's not common in politicians. So I understand from that perspective, and it is a moral ground. I think we're important in that we have to exist in order to balance out the extreme, you know, communistic ideals. I think you have to have that balance. And I think that's where we're important as far as trying to kind of balance out. I think the the perfect middle ground, and I would never admit this in public, but I think the perfect middle ground would be a balance between the communistic and the libertarian sides. I'm always going to say that the government should have less. If you run across me in public, I'm, I'm going to say, yeah, a libertarian <laughs> should run things. But I really do think that the country runs best when we have that good balance. And I think that's why we should exist. Not necessarily that we should, we should run things in the way that we think government should be run would be perfect. I think we're kind of idealistic in a way, just like I think that most real strong communist leaning people are idealistic in a way too. 
Sure. It feels like a lot of people who are purely aligned with their political parties are, they tend to be pretty idealistic, right? Like this is what Mm -hmm. a perfect world would look like if our party followed these lines. But what you find is that when you add people to the mix, maybe it doesn't apply the same way, right? Like, like it's almost like politics are almost always a discussion of like, what does our ideal society look like and how does this get applied and, and where do we find that middle ground? But it's always interesting to hear, you know, folks say like, you know, this is the best mix of it. If you can get everybody together and have that discussion, then there's probably a solution somewhere in the middle. It's not just one party or one political ideology right. versus another. It's, it's probably a good mix somewhere. You know, and where we can kind of come down to, you know, my fiance is pretty, pretty liberal and we can kind of meet in the middle and go, you know what? What we really do want, we want the best for everybody. It's just a disagreement in how that is reached. I think people are pretty good at deciding for themselves. And then sometimes they need help from his perspective. You know, I I think that's kind of lost today is the idea that we're all kind of hoping that everybody can live their best life and and have their their best dream achieved. And it's, it's the disagreement comes back to how to get there. And I think that idea of common ground is lost. Cool. I love that a lot. And I think that that is a thread that we've seen throughout this discussion is people talking about what we want to happen that is going to be the most beneficial. And, and may, you know, maybe that means for who or, or in what capacity, but, but I think that you're, you're right that one of the things that we've been hearing a lot is that everybody generally has good intentions and generally has a humanistic view of what the government should or shouldn't do. But how to go about doing that is something that not everyone agrees on. Right. And to that end, I actually wanted to ask sort of in your opinion, what what should be the role of government? Like what what should the government do, you know, at the capacity that it should exist? <laughs> we talked about this this morning too. You know, I think it's important to kind of help with like interstate relations, things like that. International relations are important for a federal government type structure. I'm kind of a purist in that I I don't think that they should play any role. I think that businesses and individuals could, you know, run the run the country pretty well. I also admit that I'm probably pretty wrong about that. And I will probably never see that. So I will never get proven wrong. But <laughs> I also understand that it's probably important to have the government, you know, maintain a road system. I enjoy a library, you know, things things of that nature. I will probably, much to my chagrin, draw social security someday. I might turn it down, yeah. but you know. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that would be the question is like, where's the line? You know, like is the line, does the line come from maybe an issue of social supports or does the line come from an issue of individual rights or, you know, is that a little bit murkier than maybe people make it out to be? I think it's a line near individual rights. And then where it comes down to, I'm, I'm a realist. So I have to know, you know, one of my things is like, okay, I don't like the federal government. Okay. Well then who's going to take over for, you know, we're walking on a road. Who's going to take over for the road? Who's going to take over the postal service? Who's going to, you know, the implication or the implementation is just a little bit murkier when I don't have those answers. I mean, I think that's fair. And I'm, I mean, generally what I hear is that the free market could probably fill in the niche the niche most of the time yeah is that sound like what you would support yeah that's my core belief would be that the free market could handle it things would likely fall in the cracks if i'm being realistic but i would like to see us try (laughs) 
I don't think I'll ever get there, but <laughs> I would like to see the attempt. And I think a core assumption here that we haven't quite gotten to yet is what it is the downside to having the government be the one that's in charge of these programs. The downside, at least from a perspective of a taxpayer, is the ideal that with the government, you don't really have, it's a feeling of not being heard or not having the ability to make what you want out of what the government's doing. So if it's free market, if I pay enough money or I have enough money, I get what I want out of the free market. The idea with the government is I can vote certain ways and I can feel certain ways, but I don't necessarily feel that expressed in the final outcome. So I think that's where the libertarian idea is so tantalizing is I can get what I want out of my life with my money if I just work hard enough for it. The idea behind the government running a lot of that is I don't I don't necessarily get what I want. There's no guarantee there, but just in like a, a straight idealistic standpoint. So what I heard in that partially, too, I think, was that there is this group of people who have called themselves an authority, maybe with or without your consent, who are taking your money and then telling you how they're going to spend it. And the only real choice or power you have in that moment is that sometimes you get to try and vote for somebody else who will do better in that system. Does that sound accurate? <laughs> yeah, that's actually really nice. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Now, we sort of specifically talked about sort of what the role of the government is. And one that I've been asking everyone as well that I think is helpful and intrinsically linked across all the parties is what the role of taxes should be and what taxes should be, I guess. So, so what's your thought on that? So I actually... I've lived in a different country and they, instead of having like an income tax, they actually had a value added tax. So it was just whenever you made a purchase, you paid tax, not when you made money necessarily. And so that was a different perspective on, you know, where taxes could come from. Cause we pay taxes in every aspect of life, income outgoing. So sales tax, things like that, property taxes. I mean, there's taxes hidden everywhere. And the idea behind it is you pay taxes on things so like my property tax goes towards school, which I, if I had offspring, they would go to a school that I paid for, right? I'm a big believer that, you know, if, if we minimize taxes, so instead of taking tax from what I make, maybe we should just tax what I spend because that way I'm not being punished for making more money. I'm being punished for when I spend it, which is I'm making a, a conscious decision to spend money and therefore pay taxes. I kind of like that idea a little bit better than being taxed for when I work, which is kind of like a, a moral thing. I work because it's the right thing to do and you're supposed to work. That's, you know, kind of one of the moral standpoints of a libertarian viewpoint is to go out and work hard and, and do your best that way. And then to get taxed for it, it's kind of like a punishment. So that's kind of a viewpoint too, is taxes are punishment in a way. Got it. Could you also speak for a moment about, and I haven't brought this up in my other conversations, mostly because it wasn't really on, on my radar to do so, but the idea of a universal basic income, would that be something you'd be in favor of or, or not in favor of? As far as what, like everybody makes this amount of money every year? It's basically that the government provides a flat, like let's just say $1,000 per household per month or something. People just get a check in the mail. I've heard a couple of different positions and actually from the libertarians, I've heard pretty positive orientation to this. And, and uh, again, you, you are not the Libertarian Party, so feel free to disagree. But the idea was that that was really fair way to distribute money if they wanted a social safety net. And what it would likely entail 
is dismantling a lot of the other social safety nets to pay for it. That was sort of what I've heard in terms of that argument. If we're talking about like dismantling others, like if we already have that money in a pool and we're talking about switching it up from applying it in certain social other ways and putting it as a flat thing, I think I could maybe get behind it. But if you're telling me that we're going to, we're going to add a tax on to give everybody money, that seems kind of odd to me. <laughs> I think I would be against it, but yeah, if, if we're, that would seem more in the four letter F word fair, but I don't know that I could get behind that necessarily. I'm not sure I could taking money from the government is difficult for me to do. Okay. I'm not super familiar with the, the libertarian platform on certain things, but I'm curious about your opinion on immigration and, and generally speaking, international matters. Just from my perspective and whether or not this is typically aligned with the libertarian platform, I'm pretty open to like an open immigration standpoint. My mom was an immigrant from Germany, actually. And so it was really hard for her to come over when she was pretty malnourished and, and had a rough go over there because it was during the 50s in Germany, which is not a nice place to be. No. And so, you know, it, it was difficult for her to come over. And I understand why, you know, we're trying to prevent people who maybe have bad intentions from coming over. But I think that we should have the opportunity to allow them to have those bad intentions and allow them to come into the country because then it opens the door for people who have great intentions and have great ability to do well here. And I think we're limiting our country by not letting them in. So yeah, I don't know that that's necessarily a popular platform, but you get to express whatever view you have. And although you are libertarian, as I said, you're not necessarily the mouthpiece for the libertarian party. So whatever you feel is perfectly legitimate. And so what, what about your thoughts, generally speaking, on sort of foreign policy and, and the U.S. government's role and what it should be? It's hard. So saying that I think that the country as a whole should have say in foreign power is, is difficult because it's and then we're we're intentionally interfering in other people's lives that we we have no say or, or ability to do so. But if we don't, then it can in a way backfire on us and humanitarian things are somewhat upsetting. I mean, genocide is occurring and, and things like that. So from my moral standpoint, I would like to see us, you know, intervene more to, to stop bad things like that. But at the same time, I also understand that us coming out of our own country to implement things on other people is probably not where we should start. We should we should start at home um, and fix more of our stuff at home. Got it. So to me, as like as I'm kind of listening to you talk, one of the and please correct me if I'm wrong, but the vibe that I'm getting and like kind of like the perspective that I'm getting is that it's it's like every individual problem should be looked at as an individual problem and how to solve that individual problem may require unique solutions that may or may not work. But it's like taking every situation and taking every opportunity to look at these problems and analyzing them critically, instead of just saying, this is a blanket policy, let's apply this. It's more like, here's an issue, right? Like social security is an issue. Let's look at how this is an issue and how to fix this. Immigration is an issue. Let's look at this situation and how to fix this. It feels more to me critical of those problems on an individual level versus like these blanket policies that you might see across other maybe political ideologies. Yeah. Well, and, and that feeds back into the libertarianism, I think. And that's why I got drawn to it is I'm a very like one problem at a time person and, you know, the very self centered, right? So, you know, it sounds bad. Self-centered more of like a, you know, this is the problem. This is how I think it should be fixed. Let's, let's think about how we could make this better. Instead of like a blanket policy, yeah. Because I think mistakes get made. Individual responsibility, maybe the way to put it. 
Yeah, there you go. There you go. I've heard that, that line before, and that's why I figured I'd offer that. So, I mean, I feel like the libertarian platform is a pretty interesting one because my understanding essentially is we want as much freedom for everybody as possible. And what that could mean both is a lack of restriction from the federal government when it comes to things like business and personal choices. It seems like probably most people would want that. Like, why would anybody disagree with that position? The difficulty comes down to the limitation on, you know, personal choice and personal responsibility comes down to, I think, number one, the first issue people take with that is what happens when you fail. A lot of people don't like seeing people fail. The other part of that is you you can't you can do that up to a point in which you're not harming other people or causing or creating difficulty for other people. And that line gets a little bit difficult to draw. You know, it's it's easy to say, okay, you know, I can have a gun and shoot it on my property as long as I don't hurt other people. That's an easy line to draw. But if you make a mistake and you fail, you you shot somebody else. You know, mm. that that's that's harder to you know, negotiate that line. And it's a little bit harder, you know, in my day-to-day life, you know, did I harm somebody else with my car? You know, it did me not following a rule lead to somebody else having more difficulty pulling an income that gets a little bit harder. So it's easy in the black and white to say, you know, I want, I want everybody to be able to make their own choices and their own decisions, but it's harder to draw that line between causing harm. And then a lot of people are terrified of failing. Actually, I think that this may not feel like it, but to me, it sounded like an appropriate segue into talking sort of about the free market again, because of thinking about when you have these businesses, particularly when they get really large and they have the power to dictate a lot about what people have access to or not with respect to their choices of certain goods and services. If a particular company dominates a market, they have a a monopoly on something or they've exploited a niche to the point where they're they're basically the only option, then that means that they have full control over what they charge and how they pay their employees and all kinds of things. And at what point does government regulation become necessary or is it ever? So it's difficult without a specific example. I always think, you know, I talk about this a lot with other people. Number one, if you're in a job in which your pay is never going up and you feel like you don't have control, I'm a big believer that you get up and you switch jobs. I'm lucky that I come from a profession in which that's relatively easy for me to do. So I understand that that's not necessarily applicable for everybody. I'm also of the belief that, you know, if somebody's monopolizing a market, I think there's always an opportunity for somebody to come up with something new and create a new niche market, maybe for a service that we hadn't thought of before. I think Amazon is a great example of that. And they're, they're reaching the monopoly peak, right? So, you know, I'm old enough to remember when bookstores were a thing and you'd go to a bookstore <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, you go to the bookstore and you'd pay a whole bunch of money for a book. Well, then Amazon came on and now you don't have to go to the store and it's a little bit cheaper. It'll come to your house. Well, there was a niche market that, you know, kind of got dominated. Well, now they're the one that you go and buy everything from it and it comes to your door. But I think there's a unique opportunity for someone who's like, you know what? They don't treat their workers very well. They don't pay their people very, I don't know, I have never worked for Amazon, but you know, I've, I've heard that there's a market here for somebody to sneak in. They're not shipping at the two days that they used to be. There's a market for somebody to sneak in and send things faster or, you know, I'm not 
creative enough to come up with something else that somebody could be doing. But, you know, drone delivery was a thing I heard tossed around. You know what I mean? So I think that the free market a lot of times will allow for that if we just let it drive some of those decisions. I think a big thing that we've started to do is talk more about what the working conditions are like in certain places. And you can use your dollar to kind of drive what you approve of and what you don't. So I'm a big believer that, you know, if I don't agree with how you're treating your workers, I'm not going to spend my money with you. If I don't agree with some of your policies and where you send your money, I'm not going to spend my money with you. I'm not going to buy chicken from you if you don't think that, you know, you should be able to get married. You know, I'm, I'm kind of a believer in that you should be able to do that. Implementation wise, I've seen that a lot of these businesses are huge and they don't really care if I spend my money with them because I don't have a lot of money. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I see where my idealistic standpoint would maybe not work as well. And maybe the government does need to intervene. I would never admit that in public. Though. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I think, I think that's also a struggle too, is I think that maybe that, that sentiment where it's like, I'm, I am but one person. How do I make this impact tends to be a pretty large barrier to social change, right? Like, so you'll see a lot of people that like want to make that change and they want to make those improvements, but they don't have the capital to do that. Or the, even the mindset of like, I could make this change and I can do these things. I have the the free ability to do this, but is it going to make the impact that I need or want? And that's kind of where our whole platform comes from, right? So the idea that the little man should have the ability to make those changes and stuff. And that's where we're trying to band together kind of as libertarians and be like, you know what? We do want the little man to have a C and we're, we're pretty well known for not agreeing with each other very often <laughs> just because we're all individualistic type people. So, um, you know, the idea that we could all come together and maybe make it so that we could have individual change would be nice. But I think that's also idealistic too. I think. But I think to your point earlier, like you mentioned this, like even being ideal, like individualist, right? Like having an individualist perspective, like the goal is still like the same moral values are pretty inherent in the party, it seems like, or at least like that ideology, right? Like as much freedom as somebody needs, as somebody as as, as somebody deserves, like as little government intervention as necessary, like those, I feel like those moral pillars of the political ideology are consistent with every libertarian that I've ever talked to or had a conversation with or every platform that I've ever seen. The disagreement comes back to, which is a common thread you'll see with every political party is how do we get there? Like it's not, it's not the moral standing. It's, it's how do we arrive to a solution that works for everybody? Right. And that, that comes down to the entire country. I think we all struggle with that. You know, at the end of the day, I think we all kind of want the same thing. Yeah, we struggle with the implementation. So I had a couple other sort of ideas around a couple of different topics, but one with respect specifically to laws and how they're implemented. And the fact that we have seen, and, you know, maybe I'm wrong here because I've only been around for a few decades. So, you know, I haven't seen the full scope of U.S. history on this topic, (laughs) but it seems like we're during the Republican National Convention, they were celebrating the appointment of conservative judges. And there's been talk from the liberal side of appointing liberal judges to these lifelong Supreme Court seats. And essentially meaning that those, when they are in that position, you can more or less predict if a, if a case makes it to the Supreme Court, where the judge is going to favor. And I'm sort of just curious about your thought on the fact that we're, start, we're starting to see this political polarization creeping into an institution that's supposed to be, to the best of my knowledge, a relatively neutral one that interprets the Constitution and the precedent set by law 
instead of political ideology. And that gets difficult, right? Because those are lifetime appointments. But at the same time, if you start making them have term limits, I think that politicizes it even more. So it's kind of a, an odd, like, I, I'm a firm believer that the judiciary should be nonpartisan, but that's not the reality. It seems like it is very politically skewed. I'm a big believer that you should be able to read the letter of the law and you don't dictate or legislate from that perspective. You interpret it and then apply it to the case in front of you. I don't know how you would improve that. I, I don't have a solution for that one. I mean, that's okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how you make that better. I, I don't like to see legislation happening from the judicial branch. I think that's where it shouldn't come from. I think they should be there to protect against legislation that's illegal or not applied from the constitution, but it seems to be a problem. Cool. Another one is thinking about the way that we've been set up, I think, with social media and with other various platforms. And when there are debates happening, it seems that most of the time what's happening is during a debate, the two, almost always only two, political candidates will get up and they will either call each other names or they'll just state from their stump speech. And it's not actually a discussion. There's there's not actually anything where they talk even necessarily about the specifics of a policy and how that might be implemented. It's sort of just calling the other person names. And there's also like so the social media and the news outlets that are most commonly visited pretty heavily polarized a lot of the times toward one particular political candidate or platform over the other. And so I guess my, my question really is just, what are your thoughts on how, what is the time and place to have people be able to get together and have real discussions about these things so that people can be heard rather than it just turning into this sort of political sideshow, if you will? Well, it's gotten dangerous, right? I mean, it's hard to be a conservative, you know, human being in this, if for me, and then, then from the other perspective, it's hard to discuss liberal values with anybody that comes from a different perspective. I think we've polarized ourselves so far away that it's it's almost impossible to have discussions with other people. You know, I've been criticized as being stupid or moronic or, you know, all kinds of other things just because I don't I don't think the government's great. But, you know, at the same time, you know, sometimes I see the other side shutting their ears off when they hear somebody talk about maybe the government programs could do some good. So where I've had the most success personally is is on one-on-one conversations where there's no pressure. We're doing something else and we talk about, well, you know, maybe that would be good or maybe this would be good. I think we need to work on taking the emotion out of it a little bit too. A lot of people seem to feel like they're fighting for some sort of, of life part when they're discussing politics. And if we take that emotion out a little bit, I think we could have more productive discussions. It doesn't seem to be at a political debate. That doesn't seem to be working anymore. I think we need to have more maybe local forums or stuff like that to discuss political ideology where it's it's promised, you know what, I will try to have an open mind if you will. And maybe we we won't be so angry at each other. Maybe we'll actually hear something instead of just yelling back and forth. Perfect. So I think, you know, you've answered most of my questions. I kind of want to just give you the option now, if there's any other issue in particular that you feel like you'd like to talk about, and again, regardless of whether you think it's in line with libertarians or or how popular it might be, whatever you're comfortable sharing, I'm happy to hear your thoughts and like what it is about the political orientation you have that you feel pretty strongly about and, and why. 
One of my biggest things, the whole reason I was able to come on the show is I was talking with a friend of mine who's more liberal than I am. And it's been difficult for me in my entire life. I've always hidden my political leanings just because it's it's been a dangerous feeling thing to share. And it's it's been really nice to have more individual people, I believe, actually hear what I'm trying to say. And I've actually heard them too. And I think that's been an important part of the discussion, which is kind of interesting in the time that we're living in right now. It feels more and more dangerous to have different political leanings or different political beliefs from both sides of the aisle. So it's it's kind of nice to be able to talk about it. And I think coming back to that common, we all want what's best for everybody and we just disagree on how to get there. I think if we had more open conversation about that, I think that's important for all of us going forward is to figure out ways in which we can actually constructively come to a solution for something that we all want, I think. Cool. I did really quick, just because we, we have a minute, if you still do in your time, but you had mentioned one of your other issues being sort of the medical system. And so if, if you could speak a little bit more about right now, we have a lot of government programs and and that support, I guess, Medicare, medication, uh, medicine, whatever health for people. It doesn't seem to be entirely ubiquitous, but there, it is more heavily implemented now than it has been historically. And sort of what your thoughts are on the current system and what you think would be a more ideal system for healthcare. So one of my biggest problems is not the fact that the government wants to get in and intervene in, in cost. It's that it costs so much to begin with. I don't think that it should cost you $30,000 to go in for a surgery or Enter the ER is like, what, 15 grand or something like that just to have a bed? You know, I, I think we really need to look at and analyze why our costs are so high and how we can kind of peel that back. I know a lot of it comes from, you know, tort reform is a big thing that I'm, I'm a fan of. But at the same time, I also understand, I think the insurance companies have driven costs up. I think insurance malpractice, I think is the way to say it. Like people actually taking money from the insurance company is one of the ways it gets passed along to the consumer as a deductible or an increase in your premium. I think that's criminal. I don't understand how people can go bankrupt from a medical bill in this day and age. So I come at it from a, we need to address the cost first of healthcare, and then we can talk about ways in which we can make it more affordable for everybody. I feel like a lot of the government has moved from a perspective of we're going to make it affordable for everybody instead of figuring out why it costs so much. And so I think that that's where we're going to end up with a lot of the spending a lot more on more taxes, stuff like that. I'm also a big believer that providers of healthcare should have a say in what's going on. I think it should be between the patient and the, the healthcare provider. I think a lot of decisions need to be made there and not from like an insurance. If it's not the insurance company, then it's the government telling you what you can and cannot have and what access you can have. And I don't think either of those are appropriate. I think it should be from the provider to the patient. Gotcha. Do you have any more questions, Shane? I think I'm out of uh, specific topics to ask about. No, I feel like this discussion was really helpful for understanding, you know, like to me, it sounds like, and again, I know that you're not the voice of the Libertarian Party, but so much of the discussion sounds very much so like, well, it depends. It depends on the situation. Let's critically analyze the situation. And I think that's a big take home point, maybe that I would get out of this discussion as somebody who's never really sat down and talked to somebody that is really libertarian and like has that and and really like that's a big perspective that i get is like it depends it depends on the situation there's probably a solution for it we probably need to look at it but here's the here's the place that i'm coming from and we appreciate that that perspective on this particular 
you know, on, on this discussion or any discussion around politics that we're, that we've been having. Well, that's good. It, it comes from like being an individual, right? So yeah. we go into individual problem. It's not very efficient, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> but it's an important one. It's an important discussion, I think. Yeah. So if we could leave on, I have a, f- a few points or a few questions, I guess, but I like to close out with, but just as succinctly as you, as you like, what are your values as a libertarian or, you know, just even as an individual? Very laissez-faire. I think people should be allowed to live the way that they want to live. I think I should be able to either achieve or not achieve as, as I drive my life. And I think others deserve that opportunity as well to, you know, live, love and work the way I want to. Cool. And again, a similar question, I think, but I've been asking everybody in as, as many words as you'd like, why are you a libertarian? I'm a libertarian because I believe in individuality and the ability to be my true self and not have the government intervene in that and not have anybody else tell me how I'm going to live. And there was no other political party that aligned with that so much. Fair enough. Very cool. The last thing I have is if you have any recommendations for our listeners, people or uh, sources for where they might learn more about this or anything else, or really resources for anything, any recommendations you have for people happy to share those. If you go to the libertarian website, actually we're trying to drive up more membership, which is difficult to do because there's no primary opportunity, but you can actually join the libertarian party without registering that way and contribute funds. Uh, The idea is to create, you know, get rid of the two party system and try to, to work in a third that might actually lead to production in this country instead of taking away from it. That reminds me of an issue um, I meant I meant to bring up earlier, so I'll make it really quick. But what are your thoughts on different voting systems like rank choice voting or like percentage of votes distributed to candidates? I've actually been talking with a couple of people about that recently, like a almost like um, the mass singer kind of a, like a competition show. Right. <laughs> so you start out with all these candidates and you don't know who anybody yeah. is. And then you, you you kind of run everybody through their platforms and then they have to be, you know, uniquely open and then we start peeling them off one by one and and see what we're left with i think it would be really interesting to see what the country actually would go for yeah um rather than voting by the letter at the end of their name yeah fair enough (laughs) (laughs) all right do you have anything else alex no all right well thank you so much for joining us i appreciate your time and all of this and i think we we may correspond in the future but i think we'll call it good for now All right, perfect. So that concludes our interview with Alex on why I am a libertarian, why she is a libertarian in this case. And yeah, I thought she did great. Um, It was really cool to hear her perspective. And I think, you know, we've seen a lot of common themes threaded throughout some of these discussions. Yeah. And I think that's kind of one of the most important takeaways that we will get to as we go through these interviews. But specifically, this one, I think, really highlighted the point of we all probably want the same things, but disagree on how to get there. I feel like that is if you could distill American politics down to a singular thought, it would be that we all want very similar things, but we just disagree on the solutions for it. That might be one of my favorite things that has been said so far. And I mean, I think we've gotten some really good nuggets of wisdom out of these interviews and of these discussions. And that one really stood out to me as being profoundly important to you, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, too, one of the things that was really great about this discussion was the idea of political ideologies may not always work in practice and being able to have the flexibility to kind of take a step back and approach those 
this is my moral stance. How do I get as close to that moral stance as I can in the applied setting in the real world? I thought that was a really important takeaway from this interview specifically. I completely agree. I thought that was an interesting element of this discussion that felt unique to her views. And I definitely had a sense, I don't know if this came across, but I had a sense of just a little bit of reservation and being willing to share a lot of her views. And so it took a while to, or it took a lot of discussion to get her to open up a little bit more as we talked. And I think that that just sort of shows how people maybe feel about this, these topics is Sometimes they're willing to be kind of loud, but a lot of times they're, they hedge a little bit yeah. and they're, they're withholding of what they really want to say and what they really feel. And we want to create a space that, that people have an opportunity to feel that they're, they're safe to do that. I think she did a great job of articulating exactly, you know, where she stands. I mean, she's very clear on what she believes in. And then she would even qualify a couple of statements. Like, I know this is not a popular opinion, but this is my opinion. I think that was really great to highlight that, hey, this is my stance and I know that people disagree with it, but, you know, it's OK. Like, so I'm still willing to talk about it, though. Yeah. So anyway, this is a lot of fun. I hope that you've been enjoying this. If so far you have not really felt like you agreed with Democrats or Republicans or Libertarians, then hopefully we've got one more for you that you'll be interested in. And immediately following these interviews we are launching into our halloween spooky spectacular month yeah so if you don't like democrats get ready for exorcisms and witches and mummies <laughs> and darkness it's gonna be great it's gonna be so good we're so stoked you know as as halloween dorks you know we just always have a lot of fun with that series too so absolutely all right well you have anything else on this interview shane that's all i got Thank you so much for recording with me today. Thank you for Alex for joining us and being willing to share her thoughts, opinions, and ideas on these topics. Thank you very much for listening. If you are still with us, if you are a libertarian and you'd like to reach out and share your opinions on this, we're happy to hear from you. If you're a Democrat, a Republican, a Green Party, if you're Green Party, email us right now. But if you are a Democrat, libertarian, (laughs) an anarchist, or independent, or not applicable, or pan- political pan political yeah whatever <laughs> whatever your feeling is we really want to hear from you please email us at info at www.podcast.com reach out to us on any of the social media platforms and you will speak to one of us directly if you'd like to support the show consider leaving us a rating and a review and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and you may consider joining us on patreon for a low fee for some special goodies that we will drop on a regular basis, including bonus episodes, uncut episodes, early releases, that sort of thing. I think that's all we got. So anything else from you? Nope. That's it. I think that's like the fourth time I've asked. I'm sorry. Yeah, let's go ahead. Good. Let's I, wrap well, it up there. Stuff always bubbles up. So it, there could have been something else, but right now we're good. All right. Perfect. <laughs> well, end it there then officially. This is Abraham. And this is Shane. We're out. See ya. You've been listening to why we do what we do. Why We Do What We Do is supported in part by our amazing patrons. Thank you. If you like what you heard, consider becoming a patron by heading to patreon.com slash podcast. You can also rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts or share this episode with your friends. If you have any comments or questions, we'd love to hear from you. Find us at podcast on your favorite social media platforms. You can learn more about this and other episodes by going to www.podcast.com. There, you'll find links as well as detailed and shareable show notes. Why We Do What We Do is researched and produced by Abraham, Ryan O., Shane, and Miranda. 
Artwork and logo design by Andrew Pollock at nogdesigns.com. Video and production assistance from Tyler Brassier with music courtesy of Justin Greenhouse. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have an awesome day.